In the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, it may sound like something you think you would hear in church to say God has a plan for your life. But it's true. Every person, every individual person, God has a plan for your life. And we're in a series called Sync. And what we're talking about is how we can get our lives synced up with God's plan for them. Because it doesn't take long at all to figure out that life can get out of sync pretty quickly. And we end up where we feel like we don't have this connection with God or any greater spiritual power or we feel like we're running as fast as we can go but really getting nowhere. That's what it feels like for life to be out of sync. If you're jumping from relationship to relationship or you just can't figure out why, why won't this work or why can't I just get that feeling where life is really working and regardless of what's going on around me, good or bad, I need some inner peace. Well, you can't have inner peace when your life is out of sync. We started out talking about some very practical ways that we can get our lives in sync. And our series has gotten a little out of sync because of last week not being able to have church. So we had to move some things around and change it a little bit because, you know, dates like Easter, you can't change that. You know, it just happens. No matter what, it's going to be that day in April. But you heard the first week that the best way to start off in getting our lives in sync is to find out how God made us, how unique that God, our Creator, made each individual person. And we talked about how our leadership decided to invest in you and give you an opportunity to do the Assess Me profiles that are online. And if you don't know what that means, just go to lifepointchurch.com slash me. And everybody in here, if you call this your church home, and if you're here for the first time, just don't advertise that link. I mean, you, if you're here today, use it. Go to lifepointchurch.com slash me, and you can go through some profiles there that will reveal to you your personality your, your, and, and name your personality and kind of tell you some things about yourselves. You can find out your spiritual giftedness. And if you have 20 minutes, 30 minutes, three days if you have ADD, but you can get it done, <laughs> sit down and do it. And then the last thing it tells you is your, your tendency as a leader. Now, you may think, I'm not a leader, but you are. Even if you lead the little kids that eat cereal in the morning around your table, you are a leader. And God wired you up to lead in a certain way. And that profile at lifepointchurch.com slash me will tell you about it. Please go take that because two weeks from today, I'm going to be talking more in depth about what that means and how you can connect your gifts and skills and personality with the way to serve, not just here, but the world, maybe the people in your family. So please go take that because it'll really make a difference in a couple of weeks when we talk about that. Last time uh, we met, you heard about how prayer can really make a difference in getting you synced up with God's plan for your life. And today, I'm going to talk about one more practical in getting our lives in sync. And that is in the area of Bible study. Now that doesn't, I mean, the word study, it's like, man, that sounds like school. 
But every week we hand these out. Like right now, coming down the aisles are Bibles. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. If you need a Bible, that Bible is yours to keep. I see people carrying these in all frayed up and, and bent back, and I love it. Every week you hear us say something like, we believe the words in there are true. If you read this and take one, even if you got your Bible, forgot your Bible today, take one because I'm going to be thumbing around in this today, and you can follow along and just drop it off at the info booth when you go if you don't want it or if you don't need it. But the words in here, we believe, are true. And the Bible is kind of, it's laid out in a, in a certain way. It's not just haphazard or randomly just a bunch of books thrown together. There was a lot of thought that went in thousands of years ago to how this book would be laid out. Now, sometimes when you open up this book, especially if you're opening it up for the first time, there's a lot of words in there. And it can be confusing. And sometimes it sounds contradictory, like I read it here, and then I read it there. And gosh, God seems different here than there. And I'm, I'm just not sure. This can be a very intimidating book to just pick up and start reading. And today I'm going to share some very basic things with you about Scripture. But just a few days ago, somebody said to me, now what constitutes a chapter in the Bible? And I was like, no, this is simple. Big numbers are chapters, small numbers are verses. Okay, got it. So I'll go read and I was sharing with them that they need to read a certain chapter in a book in the Bible. And they now know how to go do that. So you can't take for granted that the person sitting next to you, that the person you talk about reading the Bible with, even knows how it's divided up, even knows what it's all about or or what these words are. You know, there's about 6 billion Bibles in the world today. And if they left the Bible on the bestseller list, they don't even bother putting it on there anymore because it would win over and over again. It's the best-selling book time after time after time. And yet it was written about 3,000 years ago. It was written... Or it's been translated into about 3,000 different languages. It's, it was written by about 40 people over a span of about 1,600 years. It was written by kings and poets and prophets and warriors and peasants and fishermen. It was written on three different continents. And if you open up the Bible and look at the very, sometimes it's the very first page, it's pretty close in, is the table of contents, and it goes through all of the 66 books that are in there. There's 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. And it's divided up between God's Old Testament prophecies, history, law, poetry, that was written specifically for God's chosen people the hebrew bible the hebrew text that's from genesis through malachi and they're all divided up into books of the first or books of law and then it moves in to books of history and then books of of poetry and then books of prophecy long books of prophecy short books of prophecy and then you come to the book of malachi in the old testament and then when malachi ends there's 400 years that go by with nothing with no words, no, no more books written, no prophecy for 400 years. Now, if you grew up Catholic, there's, there's some books called the Maccabees. 
that are actually history books from that 400-year span. You can read about Hebrew history, what was going on in the Jewish nation at that time. They're not inspired books of God, but they are books of history. And you can read about those if, if, uh, if you grew up Catholic or if you just are interested. You can find those online. And it's just some history, the things that took place in that 400 years. But then in the book of Matthew, in the New Testament, you start to read about Jesus Christ coming on the scene. And there's four books that start out the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are called synoptics, if you've ever heard that word, because the four stories are told from four different perspectives about Jesus' time on earth, from firsthand account and from interview. One of the writers, Luke, just interviewed people to find out, okay, what happened when Jesus was on earth? So those four, that when you first start to read the New Testament and read all of those words in red, those are very similar stories told from four different perspectives to four different audiences. And then you read the book of Acts in the New Testament, which is a book that just gives the history of the first century church and how it all began. And how it all started after Jesus ascended back into heaven. And then there's a whole bunch of letters. And then you come to the end. The book that nobody really reads or talks about is the book of Revelation. Which just is a book of prophecy that basically says, in the end, good will win. This book is divided up in a way that makes sense. It wasn't just like thrown together. And parts of it written 3,000 years ago. And yet today it's used by millions and millions of people around the world to speak relevance into their lives. So you may think, well, that's good, but why, why even study the Bible? Why do it? It's old, it's irrelevant. What, what other book that's 3,000 years old do people go to for advice about life? What other book do people gather in large crowds like this and hear somebody talk about words and stories from this book? What other book has that impact on the world? None. No other book has the impact that the Bible has had on the world in the last 3,000 years. And if you just take the, the New Testament, which is a little less than 2,000 years, look at the impact that the New Testament and the story of Christ has had. So why study the Bible? Because it's relevant. And I believe that more people would open up God's Word and read it and study it, number one, if they knew why, and number two, if they knew how. So when we started looking at this series thinking, okay, we know that people will be more in sync with God if they open up His Word and really start to apply it to their lives, but that's, that's easy to ask but that's a hard thing to incorporate into your life. So maybe we should talk a little bit about why and then just give some very practical ways to how. And this might sound elementary to you like, man, I went through that 25 years ago. But there may be somebody sitting next to you that goes, what's a chapter in the Bible? What's the Old Testament? What's the New Testament? I don't get it. So this might be a refresher course for many of you. But for some of you, you're going to hear some new things and get some new tools that will help this book come alive. The first time in my life when the Bible came to life for me was when I was in college. I grew up hearing about the Bible and parents dragging me to church. Anybody, have, anybody get drugged to church? 
as a child, man, all the time. I would do everything to get out of going, and it never worked. So I went to church wet and dirty and stinky because none of it worked. You know, Mom, I just rolled around the dirt. Get in the car. You're going to church. So it was not an enjoyable experience for me. But my early 20s, I picked up a Bible. I, I was home one weekend from school, and something made me pick up this actual Bible. As you can tell, it's old, and it was old then. It was a Bible that my brother had had, and, and he's, he's a lot older than me. And uh, he really is. And uh, so I just took it back with me. For, I didn't know why. I just I thought, maybe I'll read that. And it's an old King James Bible written in that old English that's hard to understand. And it doesn't flow very well unless you love Shakespeare. And I opened it up and I started to read it. And I discovered something. That my attitude towards these words made these words come alive. Up until that point, I had a bad attitude towards them. Like, oh my gosh, this book translates to boring to me. I wasn't interested. And the night that I decided to give my life to Christ, I wrote in the front of this Bible, in case I ever forgot, because at that point I didn't have a clue what my life, where my life was going to go, and I was fresh out of the world, if you know what I mean, And I wrote down, from this Bible, I learned about my Savior, Jesus Christ, September 22nd, 1988. And I signed it Donald Williams just to make it official. In case me or God ever forgot, I had it (laughs) right here. And when I pulled this book off the shelf, the back came off. I taped it back on last night. But when I pulled it off, I just remembered those days of these words, which were hard to read and didn't flow well, but these words coming alive. And no longer was this a book. This was a source for God to speak to me. So through the words of the Bible, God speaks. Have you ever tried to talk to anybody on the phone that won't let you get a word in? Or just around somebody that you just got to listen. You, you don't have a choice when you're around this person. You just have to listen because they won't shut up. They won't stop talking. They just keep going on and on and on. And you're trying to get a word in and they just keep going. And my wife, first service, was probably like, yes, I am. I'm around somebody like that all the time. Last week, we talked to you about prayer. And how praying can help get you in sync with God's will for your life. And prayer is how you communicate to God your feelings and your wants and your desires and communicate to God your praise for Him. You do that through prayer and through your communication to God. Reading the Bible is stopping and allowing God to communicate to you. God communicates to us through the words in this book. And hearing God's word will put you in sync with Him. When God speaks, as you read the Bible, you'll find out when God speaks, it's all about Jesus. All the words in Scripture, the Old Testament books I talked about of law and prophecy and poetry and history, all of those books in the Old Testament Hebrew Bible are pointing to a Savior from way in the beginning. They're all pointing to a Savior. So all the Bible is there to point straight to Jesus. 
And then when Jesus comes on the scene, he's the fulfillment of all those prophecies, although everyone doesn't recognize it because they've used the Bible for something they shouldn't use the Bible for. And that was a means to make themselves look better than everybody else because they had more knowledge. And the Bible even says knowledge puffs you up. And so they had a lot of knowledge. And Jesus looks at them one day. It's recorded in John chapter 5, verse 39. It's on page 740 in those Bibles like this we just handed out. Jesus said, you, and this is religious people he's talking to. He says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think by them you possess eternal life. And they're probably like, oh, yes, by them we possess eternal life. You're right. Jesus says, no, those are the scriptures that testify about me. And the scriptures he's talking about, not the New Testament like we can read today, it wasn't even written then. He's talking about the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament that we have. He's saying those scriptures testify about me. That's the purpose of those scriptures. To lead you to the need for a Savior and to fulfill the prophecies thousands of years before Jesus ever came on the scene. Those scriptures, Jesus said, testify about me. And he said to those people, you know the scriptures, but you don't know God. You might know words, but you don't know the word of life. And that's me. Jesus goes on to explain in Luke 24 to his disciples. It says, or the Bible goes on to explain when Jesus talked to them about Moses and all the prophets. It says that he began, and and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. In all the scriptures, he's talking about the Old Testament. Luke 24, it says, He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's the Old Testament. And Jesus was saying, This Old Testament, these scriptures that that you think you know, they're about me. So when God speaks, it's all about Jesus. And he speaks through Scripture. When God speaks, God is inviting me to join him in this story. Because the Bible is not just a collection of sayings, and it's not just randomly or haphazardly put together. It's a story. It's a story about God's relentless pursuit for the hearts of people. And the more... You get into the story the more that you will find yourself. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through Him He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. So God speaks through his word. And the story that God invites you to is a story of how Jesus Christ can be a part of every person's life. And if you're not reading this book, then you're missing out on God's words being spoken into your life. And you're reduced to making decisions based on your feelings. I don't know about you, but I've felt things that were wrong sometimes. Anybody else? I've felt stuff with all of my heart that I knew was the right thing, but I was wrong. 
And trying to go through life based on your feelings, you know what it gets you? It gets you saying, well, whatever's right for you, you just do it. Whatever's right for you, just do it. Well, if it's right for you, then go ahead and do it. No, there's a standard in the world. There's a standard. We believe the standard is God's word because this is not just ink on a page. These are the words of God through stories of his interaction with people and stories we can insert our name into and find ourselves. It's kind of black and white in there and people messing up. You can read story after story in the Bible of people messing up over and over again. You know what God does? He forgives them. People who relied on their feelings and got themselves in a mess. God, at any time they turned around, God restored them. And you read those stories. I'm going to share with you a way to find all those stories in just a minute. But you read those stories and you will find yourself in all of those stories. So this is the standard. And the standard is grace and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And it's in their story after story. But for you to consider that God speaks through this book, you might be thinking, wait a minute, that sounds a little weird. God, like the creator of the universe, speaking through book a book? Just paper and ink? and just and It sounds kind, of, sounds kind of weird. For you to consider that God speaks through this book, you have to consider and you have to believe that God does speak. And He does. God speaks and communicates with people. So many times I've had people ask me, I want to know what God wants me to do. I want to know. And if it's, if it's a husband-wife asking me, I want to know what God wants me to do. I just, we just want to know, what does God want us to do? Maybe they're having some trouble. I just say, why don't you read what is read at 95% of weddings. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the definition of what love is. And that's where it says that love is patient and kind and love does not boast and love is not self-centered and love always hopes and trusts and perseveres. That's what the Bible says about love and relationship. I've had people ask me, what does God want me to do with the blessings He's put in my life, my money? What does God want me to do? There's stories in the Bible that will tell you exactly what God wants you to do with your money. He tells stories of people who tried to, try to put their arms around their stuff, thinking it was their stuff. And God tries to tell us through these stories, look, everything you own is mine. Everything. So treat it accordingly. And I think when we treat stuff like it's ours, God's just like, oh my goodness, will they ever get it? So Jesus tells a story one day about a guy who kept trying to store up more and more and more and more. And Jesus called him a fool. Because he said, you're going to die like everybody else. And then what's going to happen to all your stuff? And he's trying to tell him to be generous. He's not saying don't have nice things. He's saying be a generous person. You're having trouble with a career decision, what you should do, God's will in your life. Read Romans chapter 12. That'll tell you a lot about how to discover God's will in your life. See, God speaks and when he does, he invites us to be a part of his story. When God speaks, he reveals his love for me. In my top desk drawer 
in my top file cabinet drawer, in the console, in my truck, over the visor, in the glove compartment, in my nightstand, by my bed, are cards and little pieces of paper. Cards that my wife has given me, whether they're Valentine's or Christmas or anniversary, whatever, I just can't throw them away. I am a pack rat. We have a storage unit full of baby beds, uh, old bicycles. I just have this vision of someday, you know, look, I have all the bicycles my girl's ever had. I don't know, just, just weird stuff like that. But I can't throw these cards, I can't throw them away. And times when I'm cleaning something out and I realize I threw one away, it's like, oh, no. And the reason I can't throw it away is because my daughters or my wife, they wrote words to me about how they feel. And it may just be, I love you, Daddy. My girls will come in my office, and I have this huge whiteboard for planning in my office, and they'll write, you're the best, Daddy, best preacher in the world, something like that. And I'm like, yeah, I need to see that. And they'll sign it, and, and they'll say, don't erase. <laughs> and just this last week, I had to do this huge planning thing. I was like, oh, i got to erase. The... Some have been up there for like two years. So I erased it, and it hurt. I took a picture before I erased it. <laughs> I have it on my phone. I really did. Because those are words they said to me. That's how we should feel about God's words to us. And just like if my wife were to lay down a card on the table and I would go days and days and days and not even pick it up and read it, she would start to think, wow, I'm trying to communicate to you how I feel. And you're not even opening up and reading it. I believe that's how God feels. When we go day after day and we don't open up one of his letters to us. When God speaks, he reveals his love for me. The words in this book are alive. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This book will change your life. People have died to get this in our hands. Literally died so we can have a book that we understand and that we can read on our level or in our language. People literally died because... When the Bible was beginning to get into the hands of people, the religious leaders in control at that time didn't want that to happen. So they killed people for it. Thousands of years ago, people died so we could be sitting here in Raleigh, North Carolina, reading God's Word. So when God speaks, it should cause me to act. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 24 says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So we study the Bible because it's God's word. That's why. That's why we do it. Now how? Maybe you're going, okay, you convinced me. Okay, it's a big deal. It's it's an important book. So so how can I do it? How can I get into a regular routine and, and, and have some methods where I can read it because I open it up and to tell you the truth, Donnie, it really doesn't mean anything because it's just, I don't get it. It's a legitimate thing to say when you don't know what the tools are that you need to study. First thing you need to do is make it a priority. Make it a priority. 
Do you know that the average person watches television about 61 days per year? So if you add up the, how many hours a day, hours in a week, it averages out 61 days in a year are spent watching TV. If you do that, by the time you're 65 years old, nine and a half years of your life have been spent in front of the television. Man. Now, if you're 65 years old and your parents have taken you to church since the day you were born and you've spent an hour in church hearing people do what I've done, teach Bible school or Sunday school, whatever you call it, you've done that for 65 years, by your 65th birthday you will have four total months of Bible training. Isn't it a battle to make it a priority? How many of you started out almost two months ago saying, I'm exercising 2010. That's my year. Anybody do that? Come on, tell the truth. I, this is my year. I'm going to get thin. I've got my chart on the wall. Trust, in my bathroom, there's a chart, a weight chart, because I'm going to exercise. It's going to be different this year. I'm going to be healthier and thinner and leaner and meaner. It's just going to happen. But it's a battle because you start going day after day after day, and then you realize it's been three weeks. I haven't weighed myself, and I'm not going to now, and I haven't exercised one time. It's a constant battle to prioritize. But here's the truth about priorities. If you find yourself saying, I don't have the time, about anything, I don't have the time, you know what you're really saying? And every time I say to my girls, I don't have the time, honey, I don't have, daddy doesn't have the time, Th this kind of, you know, it's like a knife in my heart because I always think, when you say I don't have the time, what you're really saying is something else is more important. So whatever in your life you say, I don't have the time to do that. I just don't have the time. You're saying there's something else that takes priority over this. So you'll never be a student of God's word and hear God speak the way you should if you do not make it a priority to study his word. Now, I don't say that to make you feel guilty because I'm getting ready to give you some tools that I think will help. So that's the second thing you have to do is get some tools. Get equipped. Gather some tools. Make it a priority and then gather some tools. On the back of your message notes this week, there are some tools that we recommend that you use. There's thousands more out there, but these are just some of the ones that we recommend, kind of have our favorites on there. Rob and I went through and said, well, we like this one and Rob likes that one. And there's study Bibles, dictionaries, online and digital resources, and even mobile Bibles. You don't, you, you don't have to be without God's Word. If you've got an iPhone or Blackberry or, or some kind of internet phone, you can have God's Word right there in your palm all the time. So take advantage of it. Read through these resources. We recommend two translations, either the NIV, which we use 99% of the time. All the verses you on the screen are mostly NIV, New International Version. It's, uh, it, it flows a lot better than most other translations. Then there's the New Living Translation, which flows a little bit better even than the NIV. And we use one of those two all the time. When you're, when you're deciding you're going to become a serious student of the Bible, there's some paraphrases like the message, which reads really cool and has some really cool things to say, but a paraphrase is just that. It kind of, it kind of pairs it down and, and phrases it down in, in really simple terms. So it leaves stuff out, it adds stuff in, and, and you know, read it for enjoyment and devotional time, but for serious Bible study, get a real translation, which is like NIV or NLT, and then just take a look at all this. And some of these are out at the info booth. You can go by and have a look, and just, uh, those are my personal books, so please don't take them. Uh, take a look at what a concordance is. Most of those now, you can just get them online. Like, I haven't opened up my concordance, which is every word in the Bible that you can look up by word, and it tells you everywhere it's used in the NIV 
translation. I, I don't even open that anymore because there's so many online resources. It's just much easier and quicker to just do it like that. Those are all listed on there as well. We're going to also, in a link this week in the e-news, we'll put, uh, have this online in case you lose this. Uh, you'll be able to find some of those resources. So gather some tools. Take a look at those tools on the back and just go buy them or get online. Go to Amazon, get them, and get them into your hands and start to prioritize. Gather those tools and you'll start to get into God's word. Another thing that you can do, which we've made very easy for you today, is to start to ask questions. You don't just read it because it doesn't always make sense, so you've got to ask questions. And I, earlier I said that the Bible is just kind of sectioned up into stories, stories of God getting connected into people's lives. So every, everybody that's here, and if maybe get one per couple, I think we might be running a little bit low, but everybody get one or get one per couple, whatever you think when you go out the door. And if we run out, ushers will have these. Just uh, watch for the e-news this week, and uh, I'll have a link in the e-news to download this. But this is just a Bible study method. It's pretty simple. It goes through 40 major stories of the Bible. starts in Genesis and goes all the way through Revelation. My family and I are doing this together. And you read the story, which takes you maybe 15 minutes to read. And then you get together and you tell the story. Well, this is what the story of creation is. That's the first one. Here's what I learned. That God is a very creative God. That God enjoyed. I mean, he took time to, in detail, write down that I created this. Then I created that. Then I created that. So God wants us to know about his creativity. That's what that story says about me. Then there are five questions for every story that you go through in the Bible. Through this study, there's five questions. And the questions are, what do we learn about God? What do we learn about man? What did you learn? What questions does this story raise? And then how, how should this story impact my life? Get one of these. Start going through it with yourself or with friends or family or your small group. And it'll make a difference. Getting in God's word will sync you up with his plan quickly. You will start to read things you never thought was there. You know, when I was preparing for this message a few weeks back, I gathered some people that I believe are Bible readers and students of God's word. And I said, would you let us video you and just talk about why you study the Bible and the impact it's had on your life? And here's the result. Take a look at this video. I study my Bible to gain a further understanding of what I learn in church and from what I already knew of the Bible, if you get more in depth into it, pieces start coming together and you see the bigger picture of what God intended us to know. I study the Bible so that I can um, find out God's will for my life and I study it because I have found that... Take two. I study my Bible to gain a further understanding of what I learn in church and from what I already knew of the Bible, if you get more in depth into it, pieces start coming together and you see the bigger picture of what God intended us to know. I study the Bible so that I can um, find out God's will for my life and I study it because I have found that it really affects me in my everyday life, in my decisions, in my actions, and in my attitudes. Jesus said, you are mistaken not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. And I really believe that if we're going to know who he is, we need to know what he says. I study the Bible so that I can learn to kind of discover who God is and then know better how to love him. 
actually. What I first do, do is I pray to God because I know there's a message in there for me and I want to hear what he has to say to me. So I try to pr I pray and I get my mind ready and my heart ready to hear his word. The method I use, and I think it actually a method that uh, would apply regardless of how long one's been studying the Bible, is really, I call it two-prong. It's not a method that suggests that one approach is better than another. The first prong uh, is simply just to open myself to reading the Word. No helps, no guides, no commentaries, no analytic thoughts about it. The second prong is what I call my digging deep. and That's where I actually really do the study. And I will use every possible available method that will enable me to understand that scripture better. I think the one constant in the way that I study is variety, is just changing it up. Sometimes I like to listen, sometimes I like to read, sometimes I like to write. I have some Bible helps. I tend to use books rather than the computer, although it's all on the computer. Well, a, a method I've been using lately, and this one actually doesn't involve needing a, a printed study, is the inductive approach where you just ask, what does a passage say, what does a passage mean, and what does a passage mean to me? And I like that one because you can take any passage of Scripture and really apply it to your life. Um, I would say I have, I have more focus. Uh, there's better direction. I mean, when you study the Bible, I mean, it tells you how to live your life, the rights, the wrongs. Um, there are really no maybes. There's, you know, pretty much right or wrong in there. And Since I started studying my Bible, I am calmer, I think more, and I feel that God has given me a more purpose in my life. God's Word is applies to every single person in this world on every single level of their life. I would just say um, that I believe and have found it to be true that every big question that you have in life can be found, the answer can be found in God's Word. I can't imagine how somebody can go through life and all the trauma that we face in life without being able to go to God's Word to get their comfort, their direction. Um, and I've just found that um, for me, um, it has given me the ability to make hard decisions and uh, to live my life the way I believe God wants it lived rather than trying to flesh it out on my own. I hope you take those words, you grab the resources on the way out, and you get yourself synced up with reading God's Word because it will help you be synced up with his will.